Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We have another awesome show lined up for you here today. But before I go anywhere into that, just want to remind everybody, make sure you like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. That way, every day when we go live, you know about it. And then you can watch and ask questions and be a part of The Collective. So um, we have two brand new guests that have never been on The Collective before. We got Clay, who is former Recon Marine former Green Beret, and just all-around awesome dude, who is also a shooter competitor. Awesome. Used to be. Yeah, former competitive shooter. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to... we Him and I just chatted this morning. Really good time. I'm um, looking forward to getting into... It was actually his topic that we're going to get into today, too. So, mm-hmm. going to be good times. Uh, Jason, years in the OPP, and uh, I keep pointing, like, I'm my mirror is reversed, but whatever. You're in here somewhere. Um, years of pleasing. And is it your own ranch? You've been around horses quite a bit, or is it somebody else's ranch that you're on? Yeah, we, my wife and I bought a farm a couple of years ago, so we have a horse boarding operation, and when we also run a small farm. Wicked. So yeah. that's... Uh, awesome. And then Sean, obviously, um, for... I mean, Jason, you know Sean, Always. right? You've been talking for a while. Yeah, I don't know how... We, I don't know how we cross paths, but uh, I guess it was just two cool dudes out in the ether. We cross paths because sometimes the universe does good things. The interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> when it you works, know, it, it works. I just got to say something weird because I've never done this before. I don't know where to look. <laughs> I feel like oh, if okay. I'm looking here, it's not where Sean is. And if I'm looking at Clay, it's... Anyways, well, don't mind my eyes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with this a little bit. but okay. I'll, I'll say this, Jason. And to, to your point, I suffered this same malady myself and and if you watch any of my um any of these collectives where we've got people you'll see my eyes constantly moving back and forth always it's like i'm it's not that i'm scanning for targets yeah it's i'm scanning for data i'm i'm looking for details i'm looking for feedback loops i'm looking for nuance and and so my eyes are constantly scanning the panel and scanning me and trying to figure out, do I look like the fool or do they look like the fool? Just teasing. Yes. And so my eyes are constantly moving in these sort of formats. It's normal for me, so maybe it'll be normal for you. Not only that, I like to play around with the screens. So perfect. we'll be, uh, we'll be dancing between here and people. I'll be highlighting people and there's going to be all kinds of stuff. So, uh, oh, look at that. Alan's watching. What's up, Alan? Oh, yeah. Hey, Alan. There you go. Um. Yeah, so any any thoughts, any questions, anything burning on the top of your guys' brains before we dive into our topic of the day? Shoot. Everybody's good. All right, let's rock and roll. Boom. Talk about hard transitions <laughs> right there. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about, I asked uh, Clay earlier if there was anything that he you know wanted to talk about or discuss, or and the thing he brought up was, uh, hard transition. So going from not only for, I mean, you've seen this in the military. I'm sure you've seen this in the policing world. Somebody gets injured and their career's done. Like it, now we're over. Uh, athletes as well. Um, anybody that is, you know, you, you work really hard to get somewhere and then it's over. And so it's not like a drawn out, oh, I'm going to retire and I'm going to do this transition and I'm going to work through, you know, rehab programs or I'm going to do some sort of transitory thing. It's just game on. Now what? And so I want to talk about that because that's something that we we've discussed the general transition, but we've never really gotten into this particular subject. Any thoughts on it right away off the top of your head? Who wants to jump in? I can go real quick just to establish the, not a framework, but at least start the conversation, maybe in a little bit of a different way as well, because what I'm going to discuss is is not my military career, but is my uh, racing career. So quick recap, I coached high performance athletes all around the world for 15 years in ultra endurance racing predominantly, but I also coached... uh, road and mountain bike and shorties like you know one hour races four hour races six hour races short races but my main focus was 24 hour solo mountain bike racing and i think i was pretty good at it i did 30 24 hour solos myself and i I was a world champion at one point and so i was a pretty good racer and so 
at some point you start identifying with what you're doing and, and you start labeling yourself as, oh, look at me go. I'm an ultra endurance world champion and I'm pretty good at it and I kind of dig it. And this is what I'm going to do for a long time. And then I blew my ACL on the mats, on the BJJ mats, uh, torched my knee. And I was like, wow, because now I won't be a world champion anymore. And so as I was in that moment, I, I, all of the, all of the things go through your head. Oh, this is the ripple on effect. This is the ripple on effect. This is the ripple on effect. I realized that once I moved through my little boo-boo moment that day, I realized I was going to have to re, uh, recreate myself reshape myself because now i couldn't like be all that i could be on a bike the bike was now going to become a training tool it was now going to not be relegated to secondary or you know put it on a dusty shelf it's still a big part of my life i just had to figure out how to manipulate it so it could still be a big part of my life but i realized i'd never be a world champion again and so the process of the mental transition is usually the hardest for me kind of giving up what I'd just crushed out and realizing that, Oh, I'm back to clean slate again, or day one again on whatever new thing I'm going to take on. It's, it, it's difficult at first, but it, once you go through enough hard transitions, it's not that I shrug my shoulders and think, ah, you know what? That sucks. But tomorrow I'm going to read myself into an entirely different new thing which I, I'm a lot better at nowadays, but you've got to kind of go through some hard transitions before you get good at hard transitions is what I would say as an opener. That's a great point. Clay, you got any thoughts? No, that's fantastic. Uh, I, actually, the reason that this came up when we were talking about when my, pers my perspective on the hard transitions uh, actually came from the fact that I was medically retired from the Army, so I didn't want out. Uh, I was retired at 15 years, which is about you know, five years early for uh, for those of us in the U.S. military. And my point with that was that was that was the first hard transition I'd ever have to do that wasn't by choice. Now I'd made some hard transitions before. You know, I changed services, which is a weird deal uh, for us at least to go from our Marine Corps to our Army or our, our Air Force, something like that. Uh, that didn't really change like the jobs I was doing either. Though. It was still military stuff and you know, commando guy nonsense or whatever. That uh, the one with the injury, that one was uh, that was the first like wake up of you, know, you don't have a choice and this is what's happening and it was it was actually really hard to take, uh, and it took I, I think for me a long time to get over and uh, even at that you know you look back at it I didn't have it as bad as some guys do I'm not paralyzed I still got all my legs and arms and stuff you know I, I have other friends over the years that uh, have woken up in a hospital missing both legs and their career's over too. Like mm. whatever they were, whatever identity they had, you know, they're still that guy, but they're not doing it anymore. They're, uh, and that's, that's kind of where this, this line of discussion came from. Yeah, absolutely. Any, th yeah. any quick early thoughts on it, Jason? Yeah, I can jump in because I'm kind of going through that myself right now. Mm. And it's part of the reason why I find myself on Instagram connecting with people. So, um, at about the year six mark in my policing career, I had an incident that kind of stuck with me. And so I've been uh, fighting and in denial of PTSD symptoms for many years. Mm -hmm. And um, without going into the, the whole story, I'm at a point now with 19 years on where I, uh, I have a fear or a realization that I probably won't ever suit up and put my uniform on ever again that for self-preservation reasons and, uh, and to move forward in a healthy way so that I'm a good husband and a good father. I have to make a hard decision um, coming up. And it's tough because you guys know, being in the military, you're really married to this kind of career, right? Right. So it, mm -hmm. I've said this before. It's kind of like um, if you remember the Spider-Man movie where he uh, ends up getting like the uh, Venom suit. Mm -hmm. And when he realizes that it's no good for him anymore, he has it's like this monumental challenge to pull the suit off of him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like we really interweave our life around a job like this especially like a high profile job like we're i'm sitting with you know guys that are rangers and tier one operators and stuff and i'm policemen so i can only imagine just how challenging it could be for somebody else who's dedicated a lot more of their life to something and i feel that and i don't know where i'm going but it feels like there's a bit of a pr protection mode that i'm in and 
trying to think of the future without the rest of my career as part of it is a real difficult situation for me because it's like a death of part of me, you know, it's like mm -hmm. death of a, a persona or a, a character in my life that has been, well, almost 20 years of my life. That's half my life. Right. So it's, it's a big challenge. Uh, no doubt. I, I, uh, I got medically released from the military as well, but I had a bit more, I was planning to get out ahead of time. And then when I did my medical release, they were like, oh yeah, you are broken. <laughs> Let's get you sorted out. <laughs> but the, uh, I think the biggest issue, at least for me, was I kind of forgot that it was going to end at some point, right? Like every career that you get into, you know, like you can't spend the rest of your life. Well, some people have spent the rest of their life in uniform, don't get me wrong. But when you initially get in, I was thinking, oh yeah, 25 years, I'll be like 48 when I get out. I'll have a pension. Perfect. Be good to go. No worries. And then over the years of going through the time in, when you, you kind of marry yourself to that uniform, you forget that that's going to end at some point. Mm. And then I think that's where that, that why that transition is so hard because we're not really accepting the fact that we're leaving it. Even eventually we've just kind of like, this is, this is every day. This is <laughs> like, it doesn't really change. I'd like to throw something in. Absolutely. <clears throat> this might be directed a little bit more to Jason than to anyone else, or it might be directed to all of us. I'll just throw it out. So hard transitions are hard, of course, but I find that at least for me and through talking with a lot of people and observing or working with a lot of people as athletes, etc., a lot of people create a label or an identification of this is what I am. And it gets crazy glued onto their chest. And that that category of people who just stick to the label really struggle hard in in a transition now i look at jason and i've only recently started following him on ig and here's the good news dude is smart as a you know he's he's, he's a sharp guy okay. and a thoughtful guy and a as i see it an intellectual who will easily move into the next transition, whatever it might be, because he's got all of the wherewithal to slip into that. And the moment that he slips into that next transition, he's going to smash it. The trick is, if you, you haven't slipped into a transition recently, or you haven't ever gone through one before, the hesitation is the unknown. But I look at Jason, and I know he's got it. Like that will be a non-factor. It's stepping into the unknown void that messes with our little peanut. <laughs> and I've just stepped into enough voids. This is my now, my we'll call podcasting my seventh career. <laughs> wow, what a lame career. <laughs> but my seventh career, I've transitioned enough through enough careers and not easy careers, you know, challenging careers, notable careers, I would say. I've done it enough that I know it's easily doable for a guy like me. And for a guy like you, and for a guy like you, and for a guy like you, it's easy for all of us. Honestly, the 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 challenge is believing in yourself, and how much easier it will be than what we think we've built it up to be. And that is, it's going to be oh so hard. It might be hard for some, but it ain't going to be hard for you, Jason. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's a great point. I Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, sticking with uh, with Sean's point there, I, I think what I learned myself from the from this the one that I went through, what what really got me out of that, you know, depressed kind of bad thinking about it was exactly that. It was uh, it was thinking about this as an opportunity to to grow and be something else, and uh, take a look at that like core idea, like who am I? My soldier guy, like okay, I, I can be that too, but I'm this other thing. I'm you know I'm Clay. That's my job. My job is to be Clay. And uh, really looking at that as an opportunity for, for growth and to walk down some different roads is, a, is one of the things that helped me, you know, kind of put that away, put that in the past. And, uh, and you know, that was great. That stuff is all cool. But now I'm going to do some other cool stuff. And, uh, and that's as part of the outlook that I think you have to have. Yeah. Well, I, I'll I add that. to that point, Clay. I think, um, I think that's probably the primary point. If you're doing a hard transition is you still have to be you, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You just have to recognize that. You're not dissociating you from you. You're just you're just kind of orienting yourself 
like an arrow at it at a little bit of a different direction. You're still you doing that. You're still you moving forward. It's still you taking the steps. It's just that there was a, a part of you that is now going to be either a memory or a, you know, something else. Um, it's still always going to be there as part of you. You're going to take it with you. It's just that you're going to, you know, put on a new jacket or a new pair of shoes when you go forward. And uh, you have to bring you with it. You know, you can't bring something completely different. And Sean was uh, talking about hard transitions in a way with his live earlier. And I like the point of uh, talking about the adrenaline. You said you don't like being in the common and you're stuck in the uncommon. You like doing things that are not normal. And, you know, like all you guys and me to a point, this is, uh, I think it might be a little bit harder for people in these real high flying positions because we live in adrenaline. And that's what you, the point you were making, Sean, I think was that, you know, you, I go to work and uh, I just wait for the radio to go off and it might be the call that's like going to be the big one, right? And you guys, you guys are always, when you're on tour, you just never know. It's always unknown. It's a, it's a crazy thing and you get built up living through all of these super high flying situations that require you to sit inside anxiety. And then the hard transition for me is getting, realizing that everything's going to be less stimulating than it used to be at my job. So that's like a hard transition that I have to, and I'm sure you feel the same way, Clay, like you're still you, but there's a part of you that you have to kind of retrain to work, not because there's bullets flying at you and that, you know, you have to make a split second decision right now. There's a clay that has to do something different than that. Right. Well, exactly. Right. But I, I think actually one of the, one of the very exciting things about what you're talking about right there is, uh, and I, I've seen this now because, you know, I, because of the way I got retired, I actually did that about five years ahead of my peer group. So it wasn't until about five years later and now here recently also, I started having friends retire because they've reached their end of service. And so I've kind of been like the coach for helping them out because while they're not doing exactly the same thing, they're still giving up the job. And actually a lot of them did it longer now. So it's kind of a piece of them longer. And so a lot of us have been going through exactly what you're talking about there over, over different periods of time. But I think one of the, one of the actual best things about, about what's going on right now with what you're talking about, the adrenaline, that kind of thing is realizing that the damage to your nervous system, that living that kind of lifestyle did, and then the treatments, the new therapies that are out that are doing just insanely awesome things with being able to like reset that stuff and that anxiety that you felt for like the whole time that you're doing. Cause that's, that's totally normal. Like you're going to shot and do weird shit stuff. You're going to have an anxiety <laughs> thing in your body between uh ketamine shots and some of these nerve stimulations and stuff. I mean, I, I think where we're going for this in the future is, is actually going to help a lot of people out. Yeah. 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 There's some amazing uh, new treatment therapies out there. One of them actually kind of goes into what we were talking about. <clears throat> Last year, we did a thing called Operation Pegasus Jump and uh, got a whole bunch of vets together and first responders and threw them out of a plane. <laughs> Good times. And uh, I had never jumped before. I wanted to while I was in the military, never got an opportunity. That was your first time. That was my first jump. So, uh, yeah, it was it was I a control jump. Witness it. <laughs> it was. It's how I actually got my nickname, Big Bird. And I'll explain the story in a second. Um, but the hard transition would, and the thing that I loved about what Sean was saying earlier uh, is the fact it's similar to the transition when you're jumping out of a plane. Right. Everything in your head is screaming. Why? Like, no. This the, you're in the plane. Your feet are on the on the mats. Like why would you step out into the middle of nowhere? Why? And then even then you take all those steps and you get out onto the strut and you, you step off of uh, the wheel well and you're just hanging there and you're just hanging there. And again, everything in your body is saying, no, do not let go of this plane. Right. And so, but that's that hard transit. Same thing with the uniform, right? You're sitting there just, white knuckle in that uniform going no and then eventually you have to go okay and just let it go and then you're into a whole new world of unknown and uh for me when i let go of the plane i tried to fly my way back in i was like <laughs> <laughs> try to get back in so uh yeah i got the nickname big bird from sean there and <laughs> it's stuck ever since but i wanted to i wanted to really talk about that because you know some of the best things that happen we're on that jump, right? I, I let go. 
I uh, the shoot opened thankfully because I was not paying attention like I should have been, and uh, you know I was in the midst of a freakout, and then uh, I got to sit there, and it's on. We did it on Victoria, uh, Vancouver Island, so we're just like looking at the ocean and the mountains, and I'm just sitting there at like you know four thousand feet, like this is this is pretty amazing. This is pretty sweet, and then you know the guy on the radio started barking at me like left turn, left turn. I'm like oh right okay I got stuff to do, but that's part of it. That that adrenaline that you're gonna feel leading up to that transition, that like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then having to let go and having to separate yourself. Because I mean, you're not gonna have a very good exit if you try and white knuckle that thing until your fingers bleed out, right? <laughs> you're just gonna you're gonna flounder and flop and you weren't ready to go to begin with. But if you actually go into it and you lead yourself into it where you you know, you let go on purpose <laughs> and you arch and you do the count and you actually work the system, you work through the process, then it's a really enjoyable time. Any thoughts? Yeah. A couple of things. One, uh, two things. One is trying to, as, as we are kind of discussing is normalizing the abnormal, which is where mm -hmm. I like to spend most of my life. And so to the point, uh, the idea that, Sometimes I require, in order to actualize, and, and so Clay, I was mentioning in my live chat, which is what uh, is being referenced, is a podcast by Dr. Art Finch, which is called The Psychological Profile of an Operator, which came out just recently, 68-minute long podcast, fascinating. Yeah. You might really, you might really enjoy listening to that cool. uh, podcast. It might show, might just watch it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. And so, or listen to it. And so as part of that discussion, he was talking about how special operators or people who are special, for lack of a better term, we require a certain amount of arousal in order to engage in whatever the task is in front of us, the problem, the puzzle, the whatever. And so, because we have low anxiety to some degree uh, in, in, on the task, Rather than flinching or panicking 45 seconds out from when the thing has to get done, it's a non-factor for us. We're actually yawning because we've still got 45 seconds. Whereas everyone's spooling up and running around uh, like chickens with their head cut off, we're just all chillaxed until about 44 seconds later when it's actually going to become a thing. And once we know it's going to become a thing, then that quick arousal, and then we're engaged, and then it's full steam ahead. And that's why sometimes, as, as Jason, uh, as we're talking about, procrastination is a real crusher. So because if it's boring, I'm going to procrastinate against it because it doesn't give me enough arousal to engage in it. And so I'm just going to walk past whatever needs to be done that is yawn yawnerific. And I'm going to go look for something to go smash because that gives me enough arousal that I'll engage at 100%. So because of that, what I've had to do is gamify my life. So the stuff that's super boring that I would procrastinate against, I've got to flip the script on it and turn it into a game where it's challenging. So, you know, I got to take out the garbage. I take out the garbage every week. No big deal. I've never missed a garbage day. But what do I do? I look at that garbage and it's like yawnerific. I don't want to do it because like, <laughs> what's up? Groundhog Day? Here I go. So I've got to turn it into a game. So it's all about little tweaks, little vectors, little little scripts that I run against it to, to amuse myself, to gain enough arousal that I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do it a bit faster. Oh, yeah, I can, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what vector I apply against it. I've got to apply something against it to gamify it, to get the arousal out of it, to engage in it properly so I can smash it at 100% whatever that means. And so most of my life I've had to gamify because the normal world bores me. I need the abnormal world. And if it's not abnormal enough, then I've, it's my responsibility to abnormalize it enough so that I can crush all of it on the regular, even the boring stuff. So that's my first point. The second point is mm, the hard transitions and how to normalize the ebbs and flows of things. Well, I'll say this again, at my seventh transition, I can look back at all of those transitions, my first one being the military and then tier one, et cetera. I wouldn't change a freaking thing. 
all of those transitions have made me what I am today. I can look back on my first version of Sean, Generation 1.0, as Generation 7.0, and think, yeah, you know, wasn't bad. But where I'm standing right now, oh, yeah, it's good. Because I've got seven Sean's in me. I've got a super complex, nuanced, rich, higher performing Sean than if I would have just stayed in generation 1.0. And so I think transitions are a gift rather than a curse. But you got to invert the, the script. You've got to think of it as a, as a present rather than as a jail sentence. And so it's our job, just like I'm trying to do right now. It's our job to encourage others to step into the transition with excitement rather than with trepidation. That is a fantastic point. Uh, I think Jocko says this all the time, or it's on the origin site a lot, is we get to do this. And just that just that verbiage, we get to do this. I actually used it, I was uh, shoveling, uh, my, my, not only my driveway, but my next door neighbor's driveway. And you know, it's cold. My fingers hurt and I'm shoveling somebody else's driveway and, ah, you know, this is tiring and blah, blah, blah. And I had to stop and go, you know what? I get to do this. This is, this is what I wanted. I wanted my own house with my own driveway, with my garage, with my blah, 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 blah. I get to do this. And you just switched up. Bang. Now it's fun. Now I can like, how high can I toss this snow? How far can I get it into the, uh, <laughs> that's right? gamifying. And you just, you gotta, it, it is all about the mindset. The physical side of it is it's not not really all that hard, the physical stuff, but the mind the mind plays tricks, right? If you let it. Yeah, Any, and that's uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jason. That's kind of like the existential look at your life. Is that I heard Steve Harvey do the same thing, and he was, he talks about changing the word "got" to "get," and it's yeah. such an important thing because um, I think that falls into the category of gratitude. And so it's, you know, for me, as a way of looking at my career, instead of thinking that it's been poisoned by PTSD, it's like, I had this, I, I got this great opportunity to be a policeman for 18 plus years. And now I get to do something else. And when I hear it, like you said, Chance, when you hear it flipped like that, that one letter changes the script. And it's like, man, this is opportunity. This isn't the end of my life. This is a chance to do something else. And Sean, to your point, you say you got seven Sean's now. Well, hard transitions kind of are like depth of experience, aren't they? You talked about that a few podcasts ago. Like, so you're adding to your character and you're adding to your own resume and it's creating this depth of person that you have with all this extra experience. All of a sudden you are gaining wisdom. And I think that's what you can take I from hard lucky, transition. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's been an opportunity for me as well. I, I say that with a grain of salt because you can't take every bad thing that's happened and, you know, existentially turn it around in some kind of special meaning. But uh, having PTSD and having to transition into a new career has shown me all kinds of strength and depth of character that I never thought I had before. And so there's a there's a hard transition and there must be, there's probably lessons in every single one that we have in life. Absolutely. Uh, does also not surviving it you know, surviving the experience that you had does not give you the strength to maybe help somebody else out through that same type of transition. Not think of it as, you know, this was a, this was a gift for me because I could take it and now I can help somebody else with that same thing. Yeah. You know, um, there's a, if you've not read this book, um, it's called man's search for meaning. I have not heard of that. Victor Frankl. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Probably one of the best books I've ever read. And he, Clay, he says that same thing. You know, you find meaning in your trauma or your struggle and you can turn it around and help somebody, then you win, right? You just won the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and so if if uh, if it took me getting to really dark mental depths to save somebody else, because now I can just have a voice and be a supportive person and I've been able to rescue one other person, then it was all worth it. Right. It's like, right. Yeah, I'll take that hard transition any day. I'd never regret any moment of it because I've actually been able to do that now. So. You're absolutely right. You know, we, uh, Sean and I, we were talking about this a little while ago was um, <clears throat> taking the weight, right? When you're on a ruck march or you're on a long patrol or something like that and somebody starts to struggle, well, you've been through it. Okay, cool. I, like, I know what struggle's like. Let me take one of the one of the pouches off your pack. Let me take something. Give me the, the mortar tube or whatever. Like you can, 
you can if you can take that weight and then carry it forward for the team for everybody else and and nowadays this is the best part is that the team is everybody right it's it's your circle you you get to help and assist and build this really uh solid tribe with whoever you want it's no longer just who was dropped into your uh into report in that day right no now okay we're gonna work together with that guy awesome great now i get to work with my family now i get to work with my friends now i get to work with all the people that i know and uh there's a great line circling around the internet and it was all like let your let your story of struggle be someone else's survival guide oh that's cool yeah, yeah that's totally righteous and i i just really i always loved that line but absolutely why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to right why not lay the tracks for the next generation why not set it up and uh <laughs> During my transition, when I came out of the military, I really struggled with accepting anything from the VA, right? I was, they would, oh yeah, there's these programs and there's these programs and we can get you this and just fill this, this uh, pattern of life form and how are you feeling? All that stuff. And I, I was lying through my teeth. I was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, same, that military mindset. Yeah, no, we're good. I'm good. I'm solid. No problems. Until my wife was like, you do realize that generations of veterans fought the government specifically for this thing that you're now rejecting because you don't think you deserve it or you don't think you earned it or you don't think that whatever. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And then I was like, <laughs> but then again, nowadays it's like $300 extra a month for my, into the disability portion of it. I'm like extra $300. That's a pretty, pretty nice little benefit. Right. So yeah, we can also, we do this to ourselves where we will physically limit what we are willing to take or what type of help is available to us or whether or not uh, we accept the concepts that other people are talking about as well. So another struggle. You guys uh, have any issues with that one? I do. I'd like to yeah. throw this in uh, just because it might be a little bit of a unique twist. Maybe not. I'm not that unique. So when I bounced out of tier one, I did no paperwork. I didn't even know there was paperwork to do. I didn't know there was a thing called Veterans Affairs. I had no idea. Honestly, it's only been recently that I learned there's a thing called Veterans Affairs. So the quick story is this, that when I bounced, I was having nightmares and all the good stuff. And I went through a couple of decades of nightmares every freaking night. My sleep was trash and et cetera. And so what I didn't realize is I had PTSD because when I left the teams, there was no such word as PTSD. And so uh, many years later, my wife's sister said, hey, how was your sleep? And again, I'm going to compress the story. I eventually said, yeah, because I have nightmares every night. What? That's not normal. And I looked at her and I said, what do you mean it's not normal? <laughs> and so... <clears throat> So again, a long story short, talked to my family doctor, talked to a psychiatrist, talked to the people, talked to Veterans Affairs, talked to blah, 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 got the process going. As it turns out, I had PTSD for a long, long time, which I didn't know. And so here's the news for anyone else. That's why I've told that tiny little story. Over a long period of time, through all of those transitions, I found a way. I found a way to work through the stuff that I didn't even know that I had to work through. And so when the psychiatrist looked at me in the eye and said, hey, Sean, I'm going to tell you what the results are of our time spent together. Here's my report. And she said, you've got significant PTSD. And I said, what? And she said, you've got PTSD. And I did this process, process, good. And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean good? And I said, good, because now I know what it is. That's <laughs> yeah. what it's called. <laughs> yeah. And she said, well, what does that even mean? I said, well, now that I know what it is, I'm going to go smash it. And she said, how? And I said, I'm going to learn. I'm going to read. I'm going to research. I'm going to do. I'm going to counter it. That's what I've been doing ever since that psychiatrist said, hey, Sean, you know, you got PTSD. There's a way out of it. Maybe not like totally, but there's a way forward. Mm -hmm. I forged my way. My way is my way. And my way isn't the same as everyone else's way, but I forged my way ahead. 
It's a process and it ain't going to happen overnight. But every night that slips by that I got extra sleep was a good night. And so night after night after night, here I am in front of a freaking microphone talking to the internet about my little story in hope that someone out there will understand that irrespective of whatever's going on in the past, today is a good day to address what's bugging you. Take it on. Full tilt. Smash it right in the throat. Throat punch. And get on with your day, whatever that means to you. Do yeah. better today. And if you just build around doing your best, whatever that means to you, in some tiny way, build off it tomorrow. And eventually, in time, you'll be kicking ass. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I feel the same way. I, um, I was really relieved when my family doctor finally said, oh, I think you've got PTSD. Because then it was like, all right, I'm not insane. You know, the things that I'm... The things that I'm experiencing, like physically and mentally, are not, you know, fabrics of my imagination that I'm not bipolar or some weird thing. So then it gave me an opportunity, just like you said, Sean. It's like, okay, how do I make a roadmap forward to defeat this, to get over it, right? Which is what I've been doing now for the last 14 months as I transition from, well, we're talking about hard transitions. This is my hard transition right now. I'm living it, is transitioning from a psychological label that I've put on myself as I have PTSD to, okay, well, no, I'm a human being dealing with something and I'm move. I've got to move forward out of it instead of remaining in the label because you stick, you get stuck in the label. And I felt that at the first beginning of it where, you know, I was, I was sort of perpetuating my own victimhood by saying I have PTSD. Well, what do you mean? I have, I, I don't have it. I don't carry it around. It's not my pocket. It's still me. And I have this opportunity now to figure it out, to get stronger and, and uh, create some tools to help me in the future. So you're right. You got to yeah, gamify it, baby. That. You got to look at it and say, like you said, I didn't say it in those words in my head. I don't have that level of intensity like you do, Sean. Like, I'm going to go and f- throat punch my PTSD. <laughs> but in a way, in a way, I did it in my own. Listen, way. I'm not recommending it to everyone. I'm just saying <laughs> this is how I'm wired. I'm not. I'm I'm abnormal, maybe I don't know, but I I think it's it's a fun play on words. Throat punch PTSD, but I think that's kind of what it takes to some degree. Whatever that means to everyone else out there, my version of throat punch is literally throat punching, but someone else's version might be just getting up one minute earlier that day and cleaning up their room for a minute, and then that's an awesome day. That's an awesome throat punch. Throat punch your dirty room. And tomorrow, build off that. So my way is my way. Everyone else has got their own way. The idea being that you recognize whatever it is that you've got to go smash today. And smash means a lot of things to a lot of people. To me, what it means is make it better. Don't be owned by it. Own it. Clay, any thoughts? Throat punch PTSD would make an awesome T-shirt. I, I, I'm, sure, I'm calculating, <laughs> calculating in my mind right now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be pretty awesome. I, uh, it reminds me, you know, when I, I don't, I don't throat punch PTSD. I'm not a throat puncher on a regular basis, but I always likened it to training a horse or training a dog or training really any animal. Is that it? You ignore the bad and you reward the good. So when you do something that is good, that helps you better your day or you, you know, you manage a situation better than you did yesterday, you know, like, sweet. That was awesome. That's what I want to do. Cool. Check. Good. And if something bad happens, you know, I have a flashback in the drive down the highway or something like that. Okay. Done. It's over. Move on. Like, I recognize it. I manage it in the moment. Whether I managed it well or, or if I didn't manage it well, then I say, okay, I didn't manage that well move on to the next session because once once you feed into that negativity then that negativity grows but oh if you, yeah. i just want to be a little pedantic now pedantic? i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tease out the nuance of words because words like matter i think to some yeah, degree absolutely. and so and this is gonna build off of a point that i thought about making a little earlier in the conversation and that is how 
you know, adrenaline is good. I like adrenaline. Adrenaline is a fuel. I've learned how to use adrenaline as a scalpel in my day to day. And, but I also understand the impact of the HPA axis, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the adrenaline, uh, HPA axis and how, you know, cortisol and adrenaline and blah, 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 all the good stuff, the neurochemicals that rule is on the daily. Our mind creates the neurochemicals that are going to create what our real time is. And so all of these have cost. And so, I know how I'm wired. I like to throat punch. But I also know the thing that I don't like to do, and that is shut up. And so that's what I've been talking about in the sense of meditation. Um, I don't like to think of the word as, I'm going to go out and get my meditation on namaste. Namaste doesn't work for me. But what does work is making it a little bit difficult on myself by gamifying it. So what do I do when I'm out smashing a a ride out on the single track uh, here in my town? At some point, I'll stop, sit on a tree stump, and shut up. That's what I call meditation. Just shut up, Sean. And I don't mean talking. I mean talking. And so I try to get right to the core of the state of no mind. However long I can hold it, I gamify it. And if I slip in and out of it, I'll gamify it. And when I'm done gamifying, I'll jump back on my bike and punch. And so I like getting after it. The things that I don't like to do is the stuff where I feel like I'm not moving forward and I'm not accomplishing anything or I'm actually existing to me is difficult. But I know that that's what's super important is just existing with no churning. And so go embrace the stuff that is really difficult. The stuff that is easy for me is throat punching. The stuff that's difficult is sitting and shutting up. But that's the stuff that I need the most. So that is the game for me is to challenge myself, not doing the exciting, quote unquote, easy stuff for me, the stuff that I like to do. My game is trying to do the stuff that I don't like to do more often than the things I like to do. So to your point, Chance, you know, if you find yourself, not you, anyone, I'll, I'll generalize. If anyone out there is is uh, is having that ebb and flow of, man, sometimes thoughts enter my mind that are super negative and and I try to keep them at bay or, or I try to move through them a little bit and I I feel that, oh, that's enough and I'm going to move back into the positive world, move away from Darth Vader, move towards Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, I gamify that. I, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm getting uncomfortable, guess what? I'm scrabbling down that rabbit hole to get more uncomfortable because I'm throat punching myself because that's the way I'm wired, baby. I love... I love the heat. I love the intensity of the challenge. And and I don't want to, again, I'm not recommending this for everyone. I don't want the mediocre feed. I want the maximum effort feed. But I'm used to that. And it's not for everyone. And so you've got to calibrate. You've got to ease your way into it and whatever intensity level you can accept in the way of heat. I like heat. So if there's something that is bugging me, guess what? I'm going to go throat punch it. Maybe it's throat punching me, but I'll figure it out in the heat. I I won't step away from heat, positive or negative. I'll always engage in it to the deepest level. Well, That's a great point. Any, think, any thoughts? Sorry, Chase, go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, I think what you've learned and what I, I'm just learning now, it's kind of sad that it's taken this long, but Sean, what you know that a lot of people don't know is that growth comes in discomfort and so uh if you constantly live in the comfort zone then you can't really hard transition or soft transition because you get stuck in that zone right like the reason why i think it's been so hard for me is because after 18 years of policing even though it's a pretty intense career i was comfortable in there i was comfortable living in constant adrenaline i was comfortable comfortable you know constantly living in the negativity and the difficulty of my job and the hard transition is trying to do something that's adventurous in a different way and uh, stepping out of the comfort zone and doing the hard thing. That's no different than the person who's been bedridden, who finally puts their feet on the ground for the first time after two months. You know, that's uncomfortable for them. That's outside of their comfort zone, but that's where they grow. You know, like for you, you want to smash throats all the time because that gets you that gets you out of your comfort zone because now, you know, you're doing the hard thing. I'm not throat punching people yet, but <laughs> um, I've, I've learned that. I've just started to learn that. And it's a thing that too many people don't recognize, I think, is that comfort will kill you. And that the only way for your body and your mind to really move forward is to be in 
outside of the comfort zone is to do the hard things. And I think that's where you can work, make a hard transition, a soft transition is by accepting that part of it, is by accepting that you have to do the hard thing and that there will be a reward because you'll grow. Yeah, 100%. Clay, any thoughts? <laughs> that's a that's a wild that's a wild way to look at it. I'm, I'm i'm absorbing sean's sean's methodology there um i don't know man i guess i do it a different way uh i'm, I'm a lot more like you where you know if the negativity comes up like i'm i'm not gonna chase it down the rabbit hole necessarily uh i'm more looking i dissect it uh, i look at it and i take my scalpel out I'm like why do I feel bad about this or what is the thing that's making me feel negative? And then I excise it and I throw it away. And then I step back onto the, uh, the, the good path. And that's, that's simplifying things a lot. It, mm-hmm. it takes, you know, it's a longer process sometimes, but that's how I look at it. Uh, so I, I don't chase the dark dreams down the rabbit hole. I only go far enough that I can cut them out. It's awesome. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. Well, that's the beautiful part about people. We all get to figure ourselves out and mm-hmm. what works best for us the best part of this conversation is that we're shedding some light on a variety of different ways to approach this. There is no one singular way. And so I guess what we're encouraging people to do is, is see that there's four different people here who manage things four different ways, maybe not radically different, but different in, in, in enough degrees that it should illustrate that, We've all found our own unique ways to manage it, and they're all unique, but they're all heading towards the same outcome, which is a positive outcome. And so mm-hmm. I think the other advantage that I have right now in this panel is I'm turning 60 this year. And so, you know, when I figured most of this stuff out after I was 50, <laughs> so I've got a bit of a artificial advantage on you guys you're probably much further ahead in your path than i was when when i was your age so when you hit my age man i'm gonna feel like an underperformer <laughs> as you should <laughs> there's actually a uh, <clears throat> i've mentioned this on my other podcast a number of times but there's a movie and it's called spirit stallion of the cimarron i don't know if you guys have ever seen it i'm sure no it's a it's an animated movie it's fun uh it's about a horse um but the there's a key line in it and in the moment they're talking about breaking the breaking of a horse or uh building of a nation it's all it's set kind of post u.s civil war that kind of time period so this cavalry commander is talking to his troops and he's just talking about when you break a horse there's three things that you need time patience and discipline and these are the three great levelers is what he says and i'm like that is so true because in anything that you want if you want to get better if you want to make a transition if you want to be radmaster 9000 as sean likes to put it world championship macrame any of those things those are the three things you need time patience discipline and you will achieve whatever it is you're going after and if that is getting through a hard transition so be it. Time, patience, discipline. Can I add a just a quick point? Then Absolutely, can step away from this mic so our <laughs> guests can bring the wisdom. I'm here for their wisdom. So those three things are important. But I hope in that movie, at some point, someone identified why those three things are important. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about identifying what the outcome is that we're driving towards, and that is. We'll call it breaking a horse. So you can have all those three things, but unless you are clear on what you're trying to accomplish, guess what gets accomplished? Freaking nothing. You can have Mm -hmm. all the time, all of the blah, 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 all the good stuff, and your day's still going to be Groundhog Day unless you identify what you're putting those three resources against and then hammering it, throat punching it. And so IDET is the overarching theme. Before you start doing any of that stuff, figure out why you're doing it and then go and do it. And that's a great point. Jason, you're going to say something? Yeah, I did. I think, um, I think it was Frederick Nietzsche that said something like that. You know, you give a man a why and he can do almost anyhow. Mm -hmm. So if you have a reason and a purpose and it seems like you can really jump in feet first 
and and giver. And I, I mean, think about this as just a, you know, your normal day to day life. How many times has somebody said to you, go do this? And the first thing is out of your mouth. Why? Why am I doing that? They mm-hmm. explain it to you. Then, you know, oh, OK, well, that makes sense now. Right. Or sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes yeah, in the policing end, I'm sure. Well, at least it more. creates a conversation. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, it's almost like you need to be purpose driven in order to uh, see the right path. Right. You have to have decided what that purpose or your reason for moving forward is. 100 percent. I think that it goes into what we were saying earlier, right? You get to, right? When you ha- when you have the why, when you actually understand the why, then you get to do it. Whereas if you don't understand the why, then you have to do it. Then you got to do it. I swear yeah. this is the last time I'll be on the mic until we wrap up. I swear. That's it. This is the very last thing before we wrap up. So, oh, man. Yeah. It is important to be purpose-driven. It is important to have a why. That's why I'm in front of this freaking microphone is my why is to try to like do it better for the team and that's my point sometimes knowing what your why is will get you towards the outcome but you know what's super powerful is doubling down know your why for you but know your why for the team around you so always keep in mind the why that it's for everyone else around you more so usually than it is for you and if you can parallel those two things now you can throw smash <laughs> any thoughts clay you got you got the the little oh, th- th- the this, look. Is a, this is actually how i live my life this is my thanking face uh oh, okay. yeah yeah no man that's great uh no i'm fucking totally with it oh okay. there i go again i did it again ah sorry <laughs> that's two after that three <laughs> we're done Next time you're I'm cut. on, you're gonna put me on the 30 second delay. Like this is just a good, <laughs> it's a good policy. Yeah, three strikes it's... and you're uh, you're you turn turn into some weird avatar on the screen for <laughs> right, Papa yeah. Smurf for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna have to come up with some sort of little gif or some sort of image that I can play on your screen, and it'll just be like a little smoke bomb, and, <laughs> and then you'll disappear completely. Yeah, that's this that's might... my magic for later. Yeah, Jace. Uh, this might be way different for me because I'm a policeman, so I'm home almost every night. But that's another part of a hard transition <coughs> I found while I was working in my career that probably a lot of people right now would find that the hard transition is at the end of the day, too. So, like, Clay, I don't know if you're still act- are you still active. No, no, no. I've been retired for almost so did, 10 years now. Like, I know it's different for military personnel because you're very often you're like you're on base or you're away on mission for huge extended periods of time. Whereas for me, yeah. I was trans, I transition every day. I put my uniform on in the morning and most often I'm home at night. And I got to remember that it's, I'm Jay and I'm a husband and a dad as soon as the uniform comes off. And I'd struggled with that too. I'm not sure if you guys felt that. Oh yeah, dude, there's actually a, there's a huge psychological study actually on the difference even between this war and like World War II, Korea, Vietnam, any of those things, especially World War II, where the average time to get home from a combat zone was like, 45 days across the Atlantic, across the Pacific for, for those of us in North America. Uh, for this war, for us, you know, it could be like a 16-hour plane ride, 18 hours maybe. Yeah, you could have literally been like getting it on yesterday and now you wake up at your house. Uh, and that is that has made things extremely weird for us. So for the uh, for for you guys from the police world to like literally come home and like put the badge down, five minutes later, you're a different dude. Yeah, that has to be extremely difficult, actually, uh, and that probably takes a toll that like we the rest of us don't really get. Yeah, there seems there's a there's less of a decompression, I think, from you right. know, going to. I can remember one particular incident, um, without much details, but we had a, a person who had uh, been hit by a train, and so mm-hmm. when we were done the investigation, there was two me and two other officers that went and um, put body parts in a bag, and then I went home at night and did like did life with my family and you don't realize that you're this that's a hard transition man like you're going from right some pretty wild looking stuff on a you know on a lower level to now you're at home hugging your children and having dinner at the dinner table yeah. you know you guys could be doing some crazy operation and then you get back and you're integrating into a society that's different than what you're used to for months and months on end eh? yeah yeah for real we've uh i've talked to a few policemen about this as well and the one thing that I basically have come up with is like when we're on tour, we're on tour, <clears throat> we're somewhere else. Yeah. When you guys are working, you're always on tour, right? Your backyard is technically 
you're back in the field. Your front yard, you're back in the field. The moment you leave that house, you are in the field. And even then, when you're at your house, you're the mindset's still there. Right. When I, when I, uh, I did my HLTA, my my leave during tour, I had three and a half months in, in done a bunch of fighting, IEDs, all blah blah blah, all that good stuff. Jumped on a plane, went home, but I was only home for like three weeks, and then I went right back. And so I had like a little stint of now I'm home and I'm not here. And this place was weird, but now home is weird. And now I'm back where I was kind of comfy. And then I came home afterwards, but there was a decompression and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of police officers, firefighters, EMS, like the people that wander around the city and meet people on their absolutely worst day, (laughs) they never leave. They just stay there. Similar to, you know, the ANA and the Afghans and the Iraqi soldiers who, you know, they were fighting every day and then they just went home yeah. <laughs> and then they woke up the next morning and they're back at it. Yeah. And I, I think the, uh, the transitionary thing is still, I think the process is the same. It's just, we don't get taught how to do that. We just kind of assume like, oh yeah, they'll be good. Yeah. Right. Oh, this guy's going to go on vacation. See you later. We'll see you when you get back. Awesome. Have fun. And yeah. you show up back at home. You're like what is this place? <laughs> like, uh, so it, it, it's a major transition. That's why I want to talk about it too, is, you know, when, uh, when Clay brought it up, I was like, this is something we haven't really dived into specifically on those snap transitions. So I'm, I'm really thankful you guys were able to come on here and actually talk about this. And we're about three and a half minutes off from our hour. So let's wrap her up. Any final thoughts, Jason, uh, Jason, I'm going to throw you on the fire. Any final thoughts on transitioning, hard transitioning, anything at all? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a shame that this isn't something that's taught because I think it's a massively important point. Um, The hard transition from shift to not working and the hard transition from either voluntarily or, um, you know, medically being released from a job. It, it really takes a lot of self-analysis to recognize, like Sean said, that it's not the end of days. It's just a, it's, you've had an opportunity. And then you said, like you said, Sean, and, and I think uh, Clay, you also mentioned this, like, this is an opportunity now, like I get to do something different and that's not taught to us. So, you know, at, at the end of your tour, at the end of your career, you're, you walk out the door and you hang your uniform up and then it's like, you're completely exposed and naked. And uh, if you haven't done that self-analysis, if you haven't prepared for it, I think it can be hard. And it's something I, that's missing. Definitely in the policing world, it's missing. You know, yeah. that day-to-day, like, go home and be a husband and a father and leave your uniform. You, you can't really. Um, but you still need to do it mentally to, to live and survive. And it's something that is, I think, very important for young recruits to learn is yeah. to have an adaptation to that and know what to do. Yeah, I heard a uh, a really good one actually. A friend of mine, he said he would go, he he would come into the house through his garage, and he would walk into the garage and he'd take his uniform off in the garage and he'd put his clothes on in the garage. And then when he walked into the house, he was no longer the police officer; he was him. Yeah. And then when he would leave, same thing, and it allowed him to give him that transition. Any uh, final thoughts there, Clay, on anything we talked about? Yeah, I, I think uh, especially keeping like a positive uh, outside or positive mindset outlook that we're looking for for this. It, it really goes back to your airplane thing too. When that transition is happening, all right, I find it's it's easy for a lot of people to just want to hang on to it as tight as they can, and then even when they're kind of out the door to like hang on as that used to be, used to be, used to be, used to be person. Mm-hmm. Whereas taking a minute and deciding that that's over and done now. And I'm going to keep the positive parts, whatever, but I'm going to be this other person now, or I'm going to go, I'm going to become this other thing now, whatever that might be. You could be a retired dude that sits on the couch. It's fine. I've been taking a minute to accept that and, and also look at that as an opportunity is, is I believe what's going to help you with those hard transitions. Yeah. hundred percent. Sean, any, uh, any final thoughts? You're allowed to come back to the mic now that we're (laughs) just, (laughs) thanks boys. I'll, I'll not wrap it up, but I'll <laughs> add these final thoughts in the sense of hmm, 
This is a really important conversation. As I sat back, listened to it as I was engaging in and I'm agreeing with y'all in the sense it's so important, but it isn't often talked about. Nobody's nobody's giving this lecture in the recruit classes. Nobody's giving this lecture in the t- 10 years into the game class. Just no one's giving it. At least not this way, as I see it. Now, maybe there's a bunch of podcasts out there or a bunch of whatever lectures or courses or Sigma International three-day-long courses that teach you how to manage this stuff better. I don't know. I haven't bumped into it. This is the first conversation that I've heard it openly discussed. So for that, thank you, fellas. And so the last piece I'll add is at Generation 7.0 right now, I'm looking forward to seeing what Generation 8.0 is. Dude, it's a freaking Christmas present that is yet to be unwrapped. And when it shows up on my front door, I'll throw punch it and then unwrap it. <laughs> and so uh, don't, ever, don't ever be scared to step into the void of new because new is awesome. Very that true. is uh, that's a great way to end it. So I really thanks again, Jason, Clay, for being here. Awesome. Sean, always a pleasure hanging out with you. Um, I think today, not especially, we've talked about some awesome stuff, but it is, I've learned some things. <laughs> I've definitely uh, been able to build upon the tools that I have, and I've been able to grow completely as a, as a, as a veteran, as a human, as a en- energy being on a flying rock hurtling through the solar system. <laughs> I've been able to do quite a bit. So if you'd like to uh, continue this uh, whole transition of becoming a, stronger, faster, better person, make sure you like and you subscribe and you hit the notification bell so you can join us every day here on The Collective as we learn, build, and grow. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. GMO. GMO.